Hello, this is Augustus and Tony Corbett, and you're listening to the Marriage Minutes Podcast. Well, we use biblical principles to strengthen marriages and counsel divorces. For the next 30 minutes, get ready for lots of laughing, learning, and loving. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Marriage Minutes Podcast with Augustus and Tony Corbett. How are you doing today, baby? I'm doing very well. How are you doing? I am doing very well, and I'm looking forward to sharing with our audience how our journey began. And we're going to use that conversation to talk a little bit about dating. Today, uh, we're going to get into part one of dating. And uh, on this episode, I keep saying today like this is being done daily. Um, So in this episode, we're going to get into part one of dating. And then part two of dating, we're going to I'm going to use my fishing knowledge to talk about how to find a spouse. Sounds interesting. Very interesting. It is very interesting. All right. All right, so let's let's get started. So our journey, I like to say our journey began before the foundations of the world began. I agree with that. God is not a happenstance God. Not at all. Not at all. He brings people across their paths. And that's exactly what happened to you and I in May of 1987. Yes, really, June. We met in June of 87. I'm sorry, June of 87. We married, we married May, May 28, uh, uh, 1988. Right. All right. So, yes, that was June of 1987. You know what? Let me, let's back up for a minute. I got saved. Uh, really, I got saved when I was eight years old in 1970. But I, I drifted away, I backslid, I even became a Muslim. But I rededicated my life, let me put it that way, in 1985, October 1985. And then I met you, what would that have been, like a year and a half later? A no, year and a, three, uh, two years later. Two years later? Yeah, um, okay. From 85 to 87. Yeah, but it was late. It was late '85. Okay, so it's like a year and a half. Year and a half. Yeah, about okay. a year and a half. A little bit over a year and a half. June 1987. I got rededicated in 1985. 1987 is when we met midway of 1987, and I was, I was, I was ready. I was ready for marriage. I was ready. I was very ready. Um, part of that reason is. At that time, I was 25, I believe, 25, 26, born in 62, met in 87, that's 25. Actually, it was 26, I think. 25 or 26, I don't know, one of the two. And um, so, and I had lived a, a very active life, okay, in those 26 years. I'd been in the military, I'd been all over the country, you know, so I, I was not, I was not a church boy. Okay. I was a street dude. Okay. So you, you married a street dude. Well, you say that and you, do you not know, I can remember praying that I did not want to marry a church boy. That's amazing. Well, God answered that prayer. <laughs> he answered that prayer, <laughs> but I, I can remember I, I did not want to marry a church boy. I had been in church. And I'll let you finish your, your story. But I had been in church for a long time as from a teenager. 
is when I really dedicated my life. I mean, totally just dedicated, surrendered my life to the Lord. And um, so I knew I had been kind of sheltered and all this other stuff. And I, I just wanted someone who probably didn't have the same experiences, I guess, as I had. Well, well, you know what? I wanted, I wanted a church girl. Okay. I didn't want someone who had, you know, come up the way I did. All right. So see how God matches up. Yes. Yes, definitely. He did. Right. So I, I, yeah, I wanted someone who, uh, who had the, the opposite experience. Now I was raised in church. I went to church and all of this, but I wasn't, I, I, like I said, I drifted away from the Lord as a teen and, and I was not raising a Christian family and all of that. All right. We had some Christian values. We went to church, but it, we were not a Christian family. All right. And, um, but so when I, when I met you, I had already prayed to the Lord and asked him for a spouse. And I had, I had also in my prayer listed a number of things that I wanted in a spouse you know, things like, obviously, she has to be saved. I wanted her to have a certain level of education. I wanted her to um, to have been raised in a good, solid family and, 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 and some other things. All of these things were important to me primarily because I wanted someone that I could trust. Okay? I didn't want anyone that, you know, as soon as I turned my back, I wouldn't know who she would run off with or who could come in and, you know, wreak havoc in our marriage. I, I didn't want that kind of thing. I wanted someone who was solid. So I, it, so trust was important to me and loyalty and all of that because I knew I was going to be trustworthy. I knew I was going to be loyal, okay? I was, you know, would bring other issues into the marriage, but I, once I made that commitment, I knew I was going to be faithful to that commitment, okay? So I wanted a woman who could also um, respect the vows, and the other thing were the children. I wanted a woman who could raise good children, good godly children. All right, and I, and and I, so I knew she needed herself to be a woman who was well reared and raised and godly and virtuous and all of that. And so I prayed for all of that. All right, so it you know I didn't just up pop up and say okay I'm ready to get married. No, I was I was already ready. I had lived a full life by the age of 25, 26. So I was ready to settle down. And then if I, if I got to be honest, the third reason I wanted to get married was because I was tired of being celibate. Okay. If you're going to follow Christ, you gotta, you gotta stay away from fornication. And so when I, when I, when I, um, when I, uh, got saved in 1985, until the time that I met you in 1987, the Lord's expectation of me was that I would be, would not fornicate. Well, I failed him, okay? And um, I'm being honest, okay, being transparent. I messed up um, before we met and fell into fornication. Some people say, well, you don't fall into fornication. In fact, I <laughs> preach that. You don't fall into fornication. You you kind of jump into it, you know. <laughs> you plan to get into it. So, so I, I did. I, I had sex before marriage um, while I was waiting on a wife. And so 
you know, I was sexually active before I got saved. And so it was kind of difficult for me to all of a sudden just cut that off. Well, not only for you, um, I hate to keep interrupting, but not only for you, but for so many uh, young men and women, and I would say especially probably the men, to um, remain celibate once they receive Christ. So uh, I'm glad you're sharing your your testimony um, so that if we have some listeners out there, if you have um, fornicated after receiving Christ, ask for forgiveness, ask to be strengthened, and, and the Lord is there, his grace is there to help you and to strengthen you, and ask for a wife. You know, right. that that's how you can... Um, that's what One Paul way, says. Yes, ask for a wife, and the Lord, I believe, will send you a wife. Yes, rather than burning your flesh, Paul says you need to get married. Yes. Okay? And so, yes, I did I did fornicate, um, Tony, and you're right. We need to, if that happens, we need to get forgiveness. But I'll tell you this, do everything you can to avoid it. Because for me, it was it was a setback. It was, um, it was, it was, it was sort of traumatic. Well, yeah, you had, you were a minister yes, at the time. I was a minister mm-hmm. and I was, uh, a member of a church where the pastor did not play that kind of thing. Okay. You were not going to be a minister and be standing up before the people and be presented as a leader. If you were also involved in fornication or, you know, some kind of secret life or something that was not. And I'm referring to the late Bishop Otis Lockett, who was, uh, who who was my pastor the first four or five years of my life, of my spiritual life, of me, of my rededication to Christ, and I could not have had a more wonderful, a more wonderful spiritual leader than Bishop the late Bishop Otis Lockett. He was tough, he was tight, but it was right. It was scriptural. And it has enabled me to be the man of God that I am today. Praise God for that. And, and I can say that there are so many other young men who were in church with me and in the ministry with me and coming up with me at Evangel Fellowship who would say the very same thing about the late Bishop Otis Lockett. So I, I shout him out, shout him out all the way to heaven. Praise God. And, and uh, so, yes, I, I want to say that. Uh, it was a setback, um, and and a setback as, as we're talking about this. What people don't realize when you fall into sexual sin once you receive Christ, the setback becomes it, it gives the enemy, who is Satan, uh, the opportunity to accuse us. The Bible says he's the accuser of the brethren, and so he can um, just play all these mind games of condemnation you you know self-condemnation you don't know if if you're praying if God is hearing your prayer because you know you fornicated you sinned against the Lord and all of these things and then of course what um whatever consequences there may be from your local congregation or you know and then how um the person that you fornicated with how they are looking at you you say you all this saved and you know, minister of the gospel, you, you know, you can become a stumbling block. So, so many different um, consequences. That's why it's important to um, get forgiveness and then repent, turn from that 
and ask for a wife or if it's a woman doing a fornicate and ask for a husband. That's important. Don't let our society say it's okay for you to remain single as a Christ follower and yet live in fornication. That's not okay. That is not okay. God is a God of holiness and sanctification and consecration. And that's part of the reason why I say that it was a setback. You're right. Part of the setback was because it opened the door for condemnation. Another part of the, of the setback was because it, you, 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 I mean, you know the story, you know the backstory, so you know how it, how it affected me. I was, I was a non-licensed minister at that time, and I was a little bit away from receiving my license and preaching my trial sermon, okay? And when uh, pastor caught wind of that, no way. You just go over there and sit down somewhere. Be seen, Be not, seen heard. not heard. <laughs> Keep your mouth shut. And when I get ready, I will I'll call your name. In other words, he put me on the back of the bench, way down on, on you know, like the athletes on the bench. Right. He put me way at the far end of the bench, okay? And, and, and God was doing some great things in my life, too. I mean, I was getting a lot of people saved. I mean, the Holy Spirit was moving. God was moving. And the devil caused me to fall into sin like that and it was well you cooperated with the devil too yeah i mean yeah all of that (laughs) all of that yeah i i i let him get me there and but it it was it was a major setback and i had a lot of visibility uh in the church and in the community a lot of people knew me because i was notorious before i got saved okay so I already had name recognition. And then when I got saved, I had, had even more name recognition. And then when I fell into sin, all that name recognition was like, oops, he, he blundered. He, he, he bloopered. <laughs> and so, yeah, it was a setback from that standpoint as well. Um, I think the greatest setback of the whole thing, Tony, was though just the way how it affected me spiritually. Okay. Forget, you know, what people's opinions were. Forget me not being able to do my trial sermon right then. Forget all that. It was how it affected me spiritually. How it momentarily affected my relationship with the Lord. About the way, you know, I think about David. David committed several uh, very egregious sins when he um, committed adultery with Bathsheba, fathered a child with her, had her husband killed, murdered, if you will. And that so broke God's heart. So when we sin, God has entrusted with us a great anointing, a great ministry, and we sin. That can be a setback. However, God didn't suddenly become aware of that sin. He knew it was going to happen when he called you. I remember when I was going through all of that, a bishop, the late Bishop Hines, came to our church and preached on a Sunday night. And I was in the middle of, of dealing with all of that. And, you know, man, I'd blown it. 
all of this. So I'm sitting over, you know, like, like a shing bush, if you will. But I never forget it. Bishop Hines preached a message about John Mark. The name of the message, I remember it to this day. It was over 30 years ago. The name of the message was John Mark is still profitable. Praise God. John Mark is still yes. profitable. I believe that God sent Bishop Hines to Evangel Fellowship that day to preach that message to Augustus Corbett. Because I thought I was done. I thought it was over. But God sent a word through Bishop Hines that John Mark, i.e. Augustus Corbett, is still profitable. Amen. That's, that's just like our God. Amen. That is just like God. Praise I God. I believe it. <laughs> so, so, yes, do everything you can, single people, to avoid fornicating. And, and it will have consequences if you do. If you are trying to really go after God and the devil, you know, calls your fall, there are going to be some, some consequences. But let me tell you something. Where sin abound, grace much more abound. Amen. Amen. Jesus, Amen. Jesus will come with a, with a great big hug like he did the woman who was caught in the very act of adultery. And they were about to stone her to death. But the Lord said, let he who's without sin throw the first stone and then he told her he said woman where are your accusers and there were none they walked away shamed and he said neither do i condemn you go and sin no more yes praise yes. god wonderful now I, I didn't mean to start preaching <laughs> but when i you know think about all of that you know i i want to just simply say do everything you can to avoid as a single person from getting into fornication. It will affect your relationship with the Lord, with other people, etc. But also know that God will forgive you and he will restore you and you will still be profitable to the kingdom of God. Amen. 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 That's good news there. Good news preaching. Amen. All right. So. So by the time I met you, I was ready. I'd been through all that, had come through all of that. So I was ready for a spouse. And, uh, and Bishop Lockett was ready for me to get a spouse. <laughs> <laughs> he told me, I never get it. I'm, boy, I'm going to pray for you to get it. You need a wife. <laughs> Amen. So, um, yeah. So that day that I met you in June of 1987, that was, that was my condition. That was my situation. And when I saw you and your church, you know, you, you all would always come on Sunday nights of our pastoral anniversary. You would come because your pastor was my pastor's brother-in-law. Yes. So mm -hmm. he would close out our pastoral anniversary and you all came to the church that Sunday night as always. And Bishop, uh, uh, Elder Turner, came to preach for us and your choir was going up to the choir stand at our church. You, I remember Elder Williams and a couple other people. And when you got up and walked toward that stage, toward the pulpit, 
I was struck. You were wearing, that was what, June 1987? What was that? 32 years ago this coming June? I still remember you had 33. on. 33? Mm-hmm. Yes, 33 this June. You had on a beige two-piece skirt. And let me tell you, you were fine, and you still are. And I, I, I'm going to talk about that later. You still are fine to this day. And thank you for, for, for keeping your fineness, okay? But you were fine. I'm telling you, I was so, I looked at you. I, I, looked, at, I looked at your shape. I looked at your grace. I looked, I said, oh my God, this is her. This is the one. And I, I, I ran up to a brother in the church, Brother Teddy Wilson. I said, Teddy, who is this? Who is this, Doc? And old crazy Teddy, you know, Elder <laughs> Wilson. He said, man, that's Tony, Tony Williams. You want to meet her? I said, Teddy, please, please introduce me to this woman. This is a true story. I should have him on this podcast. <laughs> yes, we should. Yeah, we should have Teddy. him up here uh, 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 verifying all this. So he said, come on, come on, man. I'll introduce you. Introduce you to her. And... About to bring tears to my eyes. So he walked me over to you and he said, Tony, uh, I want to introduce you to somebody. One, and, and i never forget his words. One of our up and coming young ministers. That's exactly what Teddy said. <laughs> and I was thinking, and so what? Yeah, I could see that in your face. Your face was like, and? And? I mean, it was like, he. I'm not blessed to meet one of your fine young upcoming ministers he's blessed to meet me was your attitude <laughs> and you were right so i got them digits okay i got them numbers from you uh with teddy's help and i called you the next day uh well i gave it two days i didn't want to seem too anxious you, you know, sure it was too? I thought it was the next was night. Was it? Was it the next I night? I thought so. It may yeah. have been. It may have been because you know, typically guys don't you know want to call. Seem like they just anxious. You know, before you get in the car, good the phone's ringing. Right, right. You know, so I didn't want to seem like that. But it might have been the next night. I know it wasn't long. It wasn't long at all. I wasn't gonna give it long. I couldn't get you off my mind. Okay, so I gave you a call whether it was the next day or the second day. I called you. And what is what stands out about that conversation is I asked you to marry me in that first conversation. I knew I knew already that the way I looked at it was I had my master, the Lord Jesus. I had my ministry, knew I was called to preach. All I needed now was my mate. To make my life complete. Okay. And Teddy gave you such a, a such a, a a ringing endorsement, you know. Just you, you <laughs> thank know. you, brother Teddy. Yes, or Elder I, Wilson. I think he's Elder Wilson. Elder now. Wilson now, <laughs> Bishop Wilson or somebody. And shout out to him and and uh, Pastor Nancy uh, yes. Wilson. Uh, beautiful, beautiful pastor couple there in the Lord back in Greensboro. Um, so he gave you such a sound endorsement, you know, just your status in the in the Kojic church and doc, she is, she is, I mean, he almost made it sound like, and people after him made it sound like she's almost too good for you, man. (laughs) 
I mean, you the street dude that came. The, the the dogs kind of kind of left you up here, you know. Uh, and, and you just need to thank God you in the kingdom. You, you know, but this right here, this is fine royalty in the Kojic Church. So I'll give you her number, but I'm not expecting much. <laughs> but they didn't know. It was a match made in heaven. That's right, a match made in heaven. Praise God! Amen. All right, so, Amen. So that 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 is my version, and it's a true version of how our journey began. Yes, and um, he's exactly right, brother um, Teddy, Elder Wilson, Bishop Wilson. Now um, introduced us, and where I was as far as um, marrying and finding a. Um, a mate or a mate finding me I was just very I wasn't in the same I don't think position that he was in I had pretty much I was like how old was I 20s you were about you're you're older than me yeah so 25 26 maybe yeah you robbed the cradle so (laughs) I I was a year older um than Augustus, but... And, and, and more established, I ain't going to interrupt you, more established, you had graduated from college, I was yes. still in college, you were on your job, had been on your job a couple of years. Five you had years. A, you I had, had a car, I didn't mm-hmm. even have a car at that time. Yes. I was walking. So, listen, you you people, um, young people out there, listen to this. I had graduated from college, had been on my job for four or five years, um, so I was more established than Augustus. He was still in college there in Greensboro. Struggling. Struggling college student. We all know how that is. Broke. We know how that is as a college student. If you didn't come from a fluent family or middle-class family and he didn't have a car, that was the thing. He did not have a car. I was walking. (laughs) So he was walking, but, um, we did meet. He called, that next week and we talked for a long time. I mean, just talked and talked and talked. And he almost um, pretty much was out of, out of the loop when he talking about, will you marry me? I'm like, are you think I'm crazy or are you crazy? Which one is it? <laughs> that was my question. So I got very, very upset. You did. In fact, you, you almost were about to hang up the phone. I'll never forget it. I was like, wait, 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 wait. Hold on. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I mean, I, I was just, I was just joking. You know, you yeah, know, come on, come on. I'm just, you know, you just made such an impression on me, you know, blah, 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 blah. And you were like, well, don't play me like that. Don't, don't do that again. You, you know, that yes. you really got really. Yes, because I'm telling you, you know, I was, I had been in the church and a lot of these guys especially from the streets would think they can come to the church and get over. I'm just keeping it real and get over on these women who have been in the church and they know they live in holy, they celebrate and they, what they call nowadays thirst and all of that. I'm like, no, do not get it twisted. I am doing fine. Before I met Augustus Corbett. <laughs> oh Lord. So that's the way that went. So you thought I was just trying to get some. I don't, I just know something was wrong. <laughs> you asking me to marry you, like, who you think I am? I'm not crazy. <laughs> I'm saved and I'm sanctified and I've been in the church a while, but I'm not crazy. So we got it all cleared up and um, we started dating. We just started talking. <laughs> 
because I was living in Raleigh. <coughs> Let me say that I was living in Raleigh, North Carolina at the time. He was living in Greensboro. So it was a long distance um, relationship. And with me not having a car. Right. In fact, can I shout out a brother in the, the two brothers in the church who would let, who would either take me to court you uh, an hour and a half away, one way and an hour and a half back, two brothers, brother Vernon, Okay, precious brother, brother Vernon, Vernon, precious brother Vernon, yes, and brother Tony, yes. Okay, mm-hmm. those two brothers would either just give me their keys and say, "Go ahead, Doc, do you," or they would bring me or take me to Raleigh, and and would sit and wait for Tony and I to court, if you will. And when I say court, I'm not talking about anything physical. She was not that kind of woman. wasn't gonna let it happen. Okay. We'll talk about that in part two, okay, which we'll do in the next episode of how it was for me coming from the streets and who had fallen already, how that would impact our engagement and dating and so forth and so on and how you handled that, okay? We're going to talk about that next time, all right? Yes. But so, I, I just wanted to shout Brother Vernon, Brother, brother Yes, brother I appreciate Tony that because I, I remember that. I, I remember that vividly. So um, I was at the point in my life where I'm like, if I get married, fine. If I don't, fine. That was my attitude. Uh, some of my close friends had gotten married. I had been in their wedding or, you know, maid of honor, bridesmaid or whatever. But I had really come to the position um. Lord, if I don't get married, then I had thought about going to Bible college and getting another degree, you know, um, or going to seminary or something. And I had just resigned myself. I'm just going to live saved and be happy and enjoy life because I love being saved. I enjoyed my salvation. So I was fine. And once I said that to the Lord, well, Lord, I'm leaving it in your hands. If you send me a husband. That'll be great. If you don't, that still would be great. And that's where I was when we met. So after you called and we started talking, um, I mean, we talked for hours and hours and hours. Our phone bills were so high (laughs) because it was long distance. And I can remember just high phone bills and all of that. Um, But from there, we knew God had, had put us together and we'll go into more um, particulars about that in the next episode. Yeah, I mean, I'm very looking looking forward a lot because I know there are a lot of uh, single women out there, Christian women who are like, oh, who are who who are where you were, and but you got a lot to say about whether or not you should give a person a man at the time of day, despite that man not having money right then not having even a car right then not really being prepared for marriage right at that point um you took that risk and i believe you would say that it worked out good it worked out very well okay very well so um but there are some guidelines there are some things that women still need to keep in mind if they meet a brother who's not where they are but he he seems uh, interesting. Yes, okay. he seems like a potential. Right, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> he has potential. He has potential. That's what I was full of that. 
And um, but still, there are some there are some things you need to yes. do. Yes, there to are ma- to make sure that you're mm-hmm. not, like you said earlier, not not getting gang run on you, or, or or about to hook up with somebody who's going nowhere. Okay, so uh, sometimes when I talk about the fishing stuff next time, I'm gonna I'm gonna address that. All right, because some when you catch a fish, sometimes every time that fish is slimy and and you gotta clean that fish up. Okay. All right, so we're going to talk about that when we talk about how you find some of these men. But anyway, we've had our 30 minutes time here. We try to keep these things under 30 minutes, and we are about two minutes over that 30-minute mark. So we're going to bring this to a close. It was really good. Maybe I shared too much. No, no. Took up too much time. No. But it was good. This is our story. Amen. So we hope somebody enjoyed listening to our story and would get something out of it or can relate to it in some way. So we appreciate the listeners and we will look to talk to you all or you all listen to us talk to you all on the next episode. God bless you. God bless you. Remember, go to iTunes, give us a five-star review, write us a, a nice review. And also become a follower on Instagram, Marriage Minutes Podcast. Become a follower on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash Marriage Minutes Podcast. And remember, the website is coming. God bless all of you. Bye. Bye Bye-bye.